part three section three of swan's way by marcel proust translated by c k scott moncrief eighteen eighty five to nineteen thirty this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three swan in love section three when madame verderon had announced that they were to see monsieur swan that evening swan the doctor had exclaimed in a tone rendered brutal by his astonishment for the smallest piece of news would always take utterly unawares this man who imagined himself to be perpetually in readiness for anything and seeing that no one answered him swan who on earth is swan he shouted in a frenzy of anxiety which subsided as soon as madame verderon had explained why odette's friend whom she told us about ah good good that's all right then answered the doctor at once mollified as for the painter he was overjoyed at the prospect of swan's appearing at the verderons because he supposed him to be in love with odette and was always ready to assist at lovers meetings nothing amuses me more than matchmaking he confided to cottard i have been tremendously successful even with women in telling the verderons that swan was extremely smart odette had alarmed them with the prospect of another bore when he arrived however he made an excellent impression an indirect cause of which though they did not know it was his familiarity with the best society he had indeed one of those advantages which men who have lived and moved in the world enjoy over others even men of intelligence and refinement who have never gone into society namely that they no longer see it transfigured by the longing or repulsion with which it fills the imagination but regard it as quite unimportant their good nature freed from all taint of snobbishness and from the fear of seeming too friendly grown independent in fact has the ease the grace of movement of a trained gymnast each of whose supple limbs will carry out precisely the movement that is required without any clumsy participation by the rest of his body the simple and elementary gestures used by a man of the world when he courteously holds out his hand to the unknown youth who is being introduced to him and when he bows discreetly before the ambassador to whom he is being introduced had gradually pervaded without his being conscious of it the whole of swan's social deportment so that in the company of people of a lower grade than his own such as the verderons and their friends he instinctively showed an assiduity and made overtures with which by their account any of their bores would have dispensed he chilled though for a moment only on meeting dr cottard for seeing him close one eye with an ambiguous smile before they had yet spoken to one another a grimace which cottard styled letting em all come swan supposed that the doctor recognized him from having met him already somewhere probably in some house of ill fame though these he himself very rarely visited never having made a habit of indulging in the mercenary sort of love regarding such an allusion as in bad taste especially before odette whose opinion of himself it might easily alter for the worse swan assumed his most icy manner but when he learned that the lady next to the doctor was madame cottard he decided that so young a husband would not deliberately in his wife's hearing have made any allusion to amusements of that order and so ceased to interpret the doctor's expression in the sense which he had at first suspected the painter at once invited swan to visit his studio with odette and swan found him very pleasant perhaps you will be more highly favoured than i have been madame verderon broke in with mock resentment of the favour perhaps you will be allowed to see cottard's portrait 
for which she had given the painter a commission take care master biche she reminded the painter whom it was a time-honored pleasantry to address as master to catch that nice look in his eyes that witty little twinkle you know what i want to have most of all is his smile that's what i've asked you to paint the portrait of his smile and since the phrase struck her as noteworthy she repeated it very loud so as to make sure that as many as possible of her guests should hear it and even made use of some indefinite pretext to draw the circle closer before she uttered it again swan begged to be introduced to everyone even to an old friend of the verdurins called sagnette whose shyness simplicity and good nature had deprived him of all the consideration due to his skill in paleography his large fortune and the distinguished family to which he belonged when he spoke his words came with a confusion which was delightful to hear because one felt that it indicated not so much a defect in his speech as a quality of his soul as it were a survival from the age of innocence which he had never wholly outgrown all the consonants which he did not manage to pronounce seemed like harsh utterances of which his gentle lips were incapable by asking to be made known to monsieur sagnette swann made monsieur verdurin reverse the usual form of introduction saying in fact with emphasis on the distinction monsieur swann pray let me present to you our friend sagnette but he aroused in sagnette himself a warmth of gratitude which however the verdurins never disclosed to swann since sagnette rather annoyed them and they did not feel bound to provide him with friends on the other hand the verdurins were extremely touched by swann's next request for he felt that he must ask to be introduced to the pianist's aunt she wore a black dress as was her invariable custom for she believed that a woman always looked well in black and that nothing could be more distinguished but her face was exceedingly red as it always was for some time after a meal she bowed to swann with deference but drew herself up again with great dignity as she was entirely uneducated and was afraid of making mistakes in grammar and pronunciation she used purposely to speak in an indistinct and garbling manner thinking that if she should make a slip it would be so buried in the surrounding confusion that no one could be certain whether she had actually made it or not with the result that her talk was a sort of continuous blurred expectoration out of which would emerge at rare intervals those sounds and syllables of which she felt positive swann supposed himself entitled to poke a little mild fun at her in conversation with monsieur verdurin who however was not at all amused she is such an excellent woman he rejoined i grant you that she is not exactly brilliant but i assure you that she can talk most charmingly when you are alone with her i am sure she can swann hastened to conciliate him all i meant was that she hardly struck me as distinguished he went on isolating the epithet and the inverted commas of his tone and after all that is something of a compliment wait a moment said m Vederon. now this will surprise you she writes quite delightfully you have never heard her nephew play it is admirable eh doctor would you like me to ask him to play something m swann i should count myself most fortunate swann was beginning a trifle pompously when the doctor broke in derisively having once heard it said and never having forgotten that in general conversation emphasis and the use of formal expressions were out of date whenever he heard a solemn word used seriously as the word fortunate had been used just now by swann he at once assumed that the speaker was being deliberately pedantic and if moreover the same word happened to occur also in what he called an old tag or saw however common it might still be in current usage 
the doctor jumped to the conclusion that the whole thing was a joke and interrupted with the remaining words of the quotation which he seemed to charge the speaker with having intended to introduce at that point although in reality it had never entered his mind most fortunate for france he recited wickedly shooting up both arms with great vigour m verderon could not help laughing what are all those good people laughing at over there there's no sign of brooding melancholy down in your corner shouted madame verderon you don't suppose i find it very amusing to be stuck up here by myself on the stool of repentance she went on peevishly like a spoiled child madame verderon was sitting upon a high swedish chair of wax pinewood which a violinist from that country had given her and which she kept in her drawing-room although in appearance it suggested a school form and swore as the saying is at the really good antique furniture which he had besides but she made a point of keeping on view the presents which her faithful were in the habit of making her from time to time so that the donors might have the pleasure of seeing them there when they came to the house she tried to persuade them to confine their tributes to flowers and sweets which had at least the merit of mortality but she was never successful and the house was gradually filled with a collection of foot-warmers cushions clocks screens barometers and vases a constant repetition and a boundless incongruity of useless but indestructible objects from this lofty perch she would take her spirited part in the conversation of the faithful and would revel in all their fun but since the accident to her jaw she had abandoned the effort involved in real hilarity and had substituted a kind of symbolical dumb show which signified without endangering or even fatiguing her in any way that she was laughing until she cried at the least witticism aimed by any of the circle against a bore or against a former member of the circle who was now relegated to the limbo of bores and to the utter despair of m verderon who had always made out that he was just as easily amused as his wife but who since his laughter was the real thing was out of breath in a moment and so was overtaken and vanquished by her device of a feigned but continuous hilarity she would utter a shrill cry shut tight her little bird-like eyes which were beginning to be clouded over by a cataract and quickly as though she had only just time to avoid some indecent sight or to parry a mortal blow burying her face in her hands which completely engulfed it and prevented her from seeing anything at all she would appear to be struggling to suppress to eradicate a laugh which were she to give way to it must inevitably leave her inanimate so stupefied with the gaiety of the faithful drunken with comradeship scandal and asseveration madame verderon perched on her high seat like a cage-bird whose biscuit has been steeped in mulled wine would sit aloft and sob with fellow-feeling meanwhile m verderon after first asking swann's permission to light his pipe no ceremony here you understand we're all pals went and begged the young musician to sit down at the piano leave him alone don't bother him he hasn't come here to be tormented cried madame verderon i won't have him tormented but why on earth should it bother him rejoined m verderon i'm sure m swann has never heard the sonata in f sharp which we discovered he is going to play us the pianoforte arrangement no 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 not my sonata she screamed i don't want to be made to cry until i get a cold in the head and neuralgia all down my face like last time thanks very much i don't intend to repeat that performance you are all very kind and considerate it is easy to see that none of you will have to stay in bed for a week this little scene which was re-enacted as often as the young pianist sat down to play never failed to delight the audience 
as though each of them were witnessing it for the first time as a proof of the seductive originality of the mistress as she was styled and of the acute sensitiveness of her musical ear those nearest to her would attract the attention of the rest who were smoking or playing cards at the other end of the room by their cries of hear hear which as in parliamentary debates showed that something worth listening to was being said and next day they would commiserate with those who had been prevented from coming that evening and would assure them that the little scene had never been so amusingly done well all right then said m verderon he can play just the andante just the andante how you do go on cried his wife as if it weren't just the andante that breaks every bone in my body the master is really too priceless just as though in the ninth he said we need only have the finale or just the overture of the meistersinger the doctor however urged madame verderon to let the pianist play not because he supposed her to be malingering when she spoke of the distressing effects that music always had upon her for he recognized the existence of certain neurasthenic states but from his habit common to many doctors of at once relaxing the strict letter of a prescription as soon as it appeared to jeopardize what seemed to him far more important the success of some social gathering at which he was present and of which the patient whom he had urged for once to forget her dyspepsia or headache formed an essential factor you won't be ill this time you'll find he told her seeking at the same time to subdue her mind by the magnetism of his gaze and if you are ill we will cure you will you really madame verderon spoke as though with so great a favour in store for her there was nothing for it but to capitulate perhaps too by dint of saying that she was going to be ill she had worked herself into a state in which she forgot occasionally that it was all only a little scene and regarded things quite sincerely from an invalid's point of view for it may often be remarked that invalids grow weary of having the frequency of their attacks depend always on their own prudence in avoiding them and like to let themselves think that they are free to do everything that they most enjoy doing although they are always ill after doing it provided only that they place themselves in the hands of a higher authority which without putting them to the least inconvenience can and will by uttering a word or by administering a tabloid set them once again upon their feet odette had gone to sit on a tapestry-covered sofa near the piano saying to madame verderon i have my own little corner haven't i and madame verderon seeing swan by himself upon a chair made him get up you're not at all comfortable there go along and sit by odette you can make room for monsieur swan can't you odette what charming beauvais said swan stopping to admire the sofa before he sat down on it and wishing to be polite i am glad you appreciate my sofa replied madame verderon and i warn you that if you expect ever to see another like it you may as well abandon the idea at once they never made any more like it and these little chairs too are perfect marvels you can look at them in a moment the emblems in each of the bronze mouldings correspond to the subject of the tapestry on the chair you know you combine amusement with instruction when you look at them i can promise you a delightful time i assure you just look at the little border around the edges here look the little vine on a red background in this one the bear and the grapes isn't it well drawn what do you say i think they knew a thing or two about design doesn't it make your mouth water this vine my husband makes out that i am not fond of fruit because i eat less than he does but not a bit of it i am greedier than any of you but i have no need to fill my mouth with them when i can feed on them with my eyes what are you all laughing at now pray 
ask the doctor he will tell you that those grapes act on me like a regular purge some people go to fontainebleau for cures i take my own little beauvais cure here but monsieur swann you mustn't run away without feeling the little bronze mouldings on the back isn't it an exquisite surface no no not with your whole hand like that feel them properly if madame verdurin is going to start playing about with her bronzes said the painter we shan't get any music to-night be quiet you wretch and yet we poor women she went on are forbidden pleasures far less voluptuous than this there is no flesh in the world as soft as these none when monsieur verdurin did me the honour of being madly jealous come you might at least be polite don't say that you never have been jealous but my dear i have said absolutely nothing look here doctor i call you as a witness did i utter a word swann had begun out of politeness to finger the bronzes and did not like to stop come along you can caress them later now it is you that are going to be caressed caressed in the ear you'll like that i think here's the young gentleman who will take charge of that end of part three section three recording by expatriate in bangor maine